We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the VolleyPod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good morning and welcome to the VolleyPod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, it's all good here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm How's the family? Doing excellent. Charlie's becoming a little girl. Uh, how old now? She's just over one. Just oh one year gosh. old. I saw the picture. Cute as oh a my, Oh my gosh. You got to put one of those pictures oh in the show goodness. notes. She makes the most hilarious faces. She's a little <laughs> jokester. It is wonderful. Takes after Papa. A little jokester. Absolutely. And I heard <laughs> you got to visit some family recently too. I was down in Houston. I did a little... Uh, clinic a couple of clinics for catalyst volleyball club Very and my cool. son is taking over catalyst oh is that right nice yeah okay. so he's uh he's becoming a club owner wow he's, he's big time he's going big he's going big so i was down there and we had fun we did a uh two sessions a day so we did an hour and a half session with a uh, middle school group and a two-hour session with a high school group okay. and that was fun time that's so cool. Fun time. Got that's a little better. Worked on some coaching stuff. It was, it was... Does he listen to you? He's... Oh, does he listen to me? Ah, oh, no, no. Of he doesn't listen not. to me. We had a couple. My points. girl doesn't listen to me either. So. <laughs> no, he he's into it. He's got the coaching bug. That's it's funny because so cool. he was he, he didn't grow up playing volleyball. Okay. He played a little bit, but he was a baseball player, and now he's become a very proficient golfer. But he was coaching his daughter. Uh, in club and he got the bug big time and he is smitten he's nice. uh he's got the bug late you oh know? so man. it's fun it's fun it's fun that's some good stuff well i think i'm on the uh skill this week all right what do you have for us well so you know that we spoke with joe trinzi over the last two pods about passing and he sort of inspired me to um do this pod about passing and uh you know this year has been a year of great growth on my club team with passing um, and some things didn't work. Um, so I just kind of wanted to revisit this topic and we're going to call it passing 2.0. Great. Well, I, I like it because we take what Joe, Joe gave us so much great stuff, Absolutely. but then you have some practical application Absolutely. Uh, with your team. Absolutely. All right. Good so, stuff. What do you have? Okay. So the first thing I'm going to get into is some of the technique cues that I use with my team that are, you know, they're very similar in a lot of ways, but I do chunk them a little bit. And so let's get into those. So the first two I group together and I've been getting more into this coupling that we talk about a lot on here. And um, I'm trying to get reading and releasing, I call it there when they release from where they start to where the ball is. I'm trying to group those two things together and make the, the movement go hand in hand with what they see. So it's a read release, read and release. And I really like Karch's one, two, three, one, two, three, I should say where it's jab with one foot, whichever foot's closest to your ball, you're going to, you're going to step with that foot in a small step. Then you're going to take a two, three, and that's the oh, shuffle. Oh, I love that one. I yeah, love it. I love that. One. I yep. just feel like you can cover yep. pretty much your whole area with almost just that movement. Yeah. Well, Hey, you can cover, you know, I, I think 
a guy like you, this is, you know, you can cover probably eight, 10 feet. Exactly. A junior player can cover, you know, probably six to eight feet, right? Yep, absolutely. And, and all directions, that's, um, you know, that's a 12 foot range. You know, yeah. Range. And, you know, in any direction, that's a, that's a fair amount of, of range. Absolutely. And it helps them stay balanced because they're getting that two, three with kicking their feet, you know, sort of underneath them too. So I, I really like that one. And then you can't overestimate reading. Right. So we start with reading. I think all too often coaches focus on the what the player is doing, but it's this interaction between the player and the ball, obviously. So we're going to start everything with reading. I love it. Yeah. I love it. New. Uh, yeah, it's new. That's kind of a new way to look at it. Getting that coupling. Absolutely. And then the next one is track and angle. OK, so the ball is off the server's hand. We're going to track that ball in. We're going to try to track it to our opposite thigh. And we're going to create our angle. And the phrase I use for that one is one good angle. And uh, I, I think we've all seen too often where players are doing too much stuff with their platform. And obviously that's the number one thing that controls the ball, right? So track the ball and angle. When you're tracking it, typically if you're on the left side of the court with the setter to your right, you'll track it towards your left thigh. Anytime the setter's on your right, you'll track it to your left thigh. Anytime the setter is on your left, you'll track it to your right thigh. And just that act of tracking is a differentiator between a lot of passers. And I just want to put that out there right away. Um, next is balance and hold. Okay. Um, create balance and balance. You Can you be moving when you're balanced? You sure can. Yep. Right. And uh, the best passers are balanced when they pass. They don't allow their balance to take them away from the ball or let their balance make their platform pull away from the target. They're balanced whether they're moving or not. And then also the, their platform stays to the target before, during, and after. And uh, we just call that hold, right? So we're going to keep our angle pointed to the target and not allow it to float away from the floaters on different floaters or whatever, whatever happens. Ball peels to their right. We're not going to allow their platform to not be facing target. I think that is makes obvious sense, but I think all too often they'll have a good angle at the start of the flight of the ball. The ball moves and then their platform is not facing to the target. That's fairly correctable if you can get them to hold. And then four is to use your outs or options against the toughest serves. And your video is one of our videos we're going to talk about today about using their emergency moves. And at the highest level, they're using emergency moves often. And I think we, we underestimate how often they're using some form of emergency moves. Now, as you get really good, your reading gets a lot better. So then some of these emergency moves go away. But I think there's this, there's this interaction between how high the level of serving is and how often you're going to need these emergency moves in your in your bag of, of, of tricks to pass the serve. Well, I, I think, yeah, the emergency moves. I think there's one, which is that that second tempo ball that drops off, yep. and they got to get on their belly and get the ball high. Yep. I see that as that main emergency move. Agreed. You know, Agreed. I don't think there's this huge toolbox of emergency moves they need in serve receive. I mean, the ball's traveling. You know, it's got to travel forty feet. Right. So uh, it's not on them that fast, like a spike or something. But that ball that drops off the table. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a tough one. And, uh, they have to get proficient at making that move to get under it. And can they get it high and get into some ACE prevention there? Yep. And then, because that is the one that I think is, is the killer. And then, you know, high velocity, you know, the, the high, high velocity ball, the deep float um, where it's, yep. ca it's catching you high. 
And I would consider this emergency because ideally we want to get our butt behind the ball and stay in line with the serve. But something has happened, either at super high speed or whatever. I, my feet got tangled up or whatever. I didn't read it right to where I'm having to reach. Yeah, no, they're not going to be able to get behind that ball that's high velocity, you know, that gets into, you know, 38 to 40 miles an hour so and tough. is in the last yeah. five to seven feet of the court. You're not going to get your butt behind that ball unless you're, you know, doing, unless you're starting super deep and, right. and then Exposing you're really else. giving yeah. up that, that, that short one. So, uh, I love it. So give me a, a quick review of those. Okay. So we got read and release. Read and release. I love it. Track and angle. Track and angle. Balance and hold. Balance and hold. And mental processes is the fifth one. And we didn't even talk about this one yet, but the three that I'm really anchoring right now are learn and respond. So every pass is an opportunity to get better. And I think a lot of times they see it as a trial. I failed, right? And the failure is the second one. So um, can you be can you be okay when you fail? Can you learn from your failures? And can you also predict the server history, which is another really important um, mental process that I think they have to go. I'm sure there are many more that go into that. Being clear-minded obviously comes right up, you know, not being distracted. Um, but those mental processes, I want to say that those, it, you can focus on those Every time you pass, and you probably should. They Give should me have. those three again. Okay, so learn and respond. Learn and respond. Server history and dealing with failure. All right. Yeah, so those are my three big ones right now. Serving is and passing, I mean, passing in general is just so hard, especially against the tough servers, that you can't expect to be all threes all the time. So how are you going to deal with that when you get aced? How are you going to deal with that when you're not getting, you know, as many threes as you want? So I think that, that plays a big part. Yeah, and really uh, integrating that that mental training into passing yes, yes. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Yes, absolutely. And, and like I said, just do that all the time. Okay, this is one of my foundational beliefs as a coach when teaching passing. There's the easy parts and the hard parts. And I think a lot of times people treat the easy parts like they're the hard parts and the hard parts like they're the easy parts. What I mean by that is, look, making your platform and getting the grip right, super easy having a strong posture when you're just standing there really easy uh having a ba having balance when there's no ball dictating you know where you got to go very easy but getting it on your sweet spot very hard on your platform i mean bending and manipulating your body for the various serves to keep your angle to target that is hard um and this the next one i, I don't know if it's hard or it just takes a lot of time but reading i mean it's just reading's hard it, yeah <laughs> it, it takes time and it's hard it yeah absolutely and then the other one i think is hard is self-belief so i would love to see coaches focus less time on the easy I, i'm sorry less time on the easy parts and more time on the hard parts right so reading if it's so hard can we dedicate some time to it right getting the ball in your sweet spot can we dedicate some time to it um bending can we dedicate some time to it okay and um you you get the idea. I just think that there are certain parts that differentiate between a really elite level passer and sort of average passer. Pretty much everyone can do the average part, but get them out there and try to pass a really high speed jump serve or a really high speed floater. And it's a different story. Next, and we talked about this a little bit on Joe's uh, uh, podcast, but labeling the common mistakes is a really great way to learn from them. But I don't do it so that we can talk a lot about them. I do a lot so we can build awareness and not have to talk about them. 
they're so common that it's we we want this common language right um and they're also mostly preventable as soon as you can name it um so we call it sweeping same thing i call it sweeping that's where you're going to turn from one side to the other uh popping is where you pop out of your posture and especially where you change your back angle or, or change your leg angle and straighten up that changes where the ball goes obviously and then i call it swinging simply this uh, this the degree of stroke that you have on it um, with your platform and um really what we want to do with these these errors is instead of have uh instead of remind them of the errors we want the, to tell them what to do when we see the error so instead of saying hey you're sweeping we want to say something that we want to encourage the opposite effect so set your angle or i love this one too float behind the back of the ball so uh you know shuffle stay behind the back of the ball i like this idea of float because the ball floats and you need to stay behind the back of it when the ball gets to the side of you we're in a difficult spot um for popping it might be reading earlier so that you can get a better position and stay down um it might mean open up sooner um it might mean bending or whatever but the idea is you have some things that you can tell them when they are popping it's not just hey you're popping don't do that right um okay so next i really think uh this makes a lot of sense too passing when you're just standing there like i can make anyone look good in a lesson a passing <laughs> right <laughs> and they pay me good money to do that too but the thing is are they actually good sometimes i would argue no right and because i can put the ball on their platform there's no judgment involved once the judgment gets involved and movement gets involved that's when things start to really be difficult so i would say um if you really want to do your athlete's service, do a lot of training with passing with movement of some sort. Um, the one I really like is just, it's some simply called plus passing. You're just going to go up. You're going to get one rep going short. You're going to get one rep going deep. You're going to get one rep going to your left. You're going to get one rep going to your right. And it's just practicing the different movement patterns that you're going to need. Um, and, and obviously every little rep is different. You're going to go diagonal. You're going to go all these different directions, but can you just take all the reps you get and make a little bit of movement in there because most serves don't just come right to your platform although a skilled coach can make that happen um reading reps are especially important obviously we talked about this but can they be coupled the reading reps can they be coupled with comparative reps and this is what joe trinzi's um podcast was all about right comparing right so can i couple reading reps with comparative reps so that one landed short now compare that one to what we saw when it landed deep how did those two serves look different right if you can compare that is a really powerful way to learn how to read right because i think the, the problem with reading is that everyone looks everything looks too similar to the untrained eye but when you can tell them well this one looked like this this one looked like this or when they can notice on their own that's really powerful yeah, I see that a lot, even with something as just as simple as spin. Yes, absolutely. And the kids don't I mean I pick up, you know, as a serve receiver, any bits of spin I pick up. Right. And I'll ask passer, hey, did that was that did that thing float or was there any spin on it? I go, what? Right. Well, was that a floater? And they'll say, yeah. And I'm all, no, that wasn't a floater. It, it had some right. spin on it. So it wasn't gonna float. That thing was right. coming straight. It had a little bit of spin on it. It wasn't really moving, it wasn't really dancing. And, but point. they don't they don't see that 
and it's a acquired taste. It takes Absolutely. time. It's, it takes time, and it, it. But you can shorten that time if you direct their attention right. to what to look for, yep. right? And that's the whole point, right? Um, and then I also think this one makes sense. Like, can you get your reps in a game like timing? So you know, if you're going over ten or fifteen seconds to get a rep, you're probably doing them a disservice. They probably could pay attention to reps that are coming in a little quicker and really give those the attention they need. Um, what I see all too often is either something is a distractor, meaning they're passing and then they're doing something else and then they're then they're going back and they forgot they forgot what they did on that pass, right? Um, there's times to do that because that's very game like. But if you're just trying to get better at passing, we need the feedback to come in fairly immediately and we need the feedback to be sort of game like timing. So I'd say every 10 or 15 seconds around there, you're getting a ball in and uh, that'll probably be the most if you're going too much faster than that, you could say you might lose track of some of this stuff. But um, can they get as many reps as they can handle in a short period of time? Well, and the other thing is, and this is the way even we've talked about this in, in prior pods, but taking something as simple as butterfly and saying, hey, oh my goodness, we're not going to run something like that without two people out passing. Yes, because when you just have one person out passing and, and the passer never has to make a decision, is this mine or yours? And what do you do when it's the other person? Are you standing there watching? Are you just turning your neck? Can you communicate and get in whether maybe you're an attacker and you have to start getting into your route? Um, maybe you want to move away so that other passer knows you're not going to spook them. Uh, maybe you're going to back that passer up depending on uh the position and what your uh passing you know rules are uh but uh trying to put them in those game-like situations Absolutely. that isn't just oh i'm serving you the ball to get better at passing it's not the way it happens in a in a match absolutely and i would add two little parts to that so i can't stand butterfly i don't i can't remember the last time we did butterfly even though we do it in tryouts every year, I still can't remember it because I've blocked it out yeah. because I'm not a butterfly fan because of that long line to go back to passing. So one of the things I'll do is just take two, right? They just need to take two so they can make the second one better and apply some feedback yep. that we give them. Have a live serve, maybe no spinners. You may do some spinners for a little while to get warmed up, but like a minute of that. And then mostly if we're trying to get better at passing, we're going to be passing live serves. And I think one of the reasons why coaches don't do this is they lose a bit of control. Right. And I think that control is important. I wanted to touch on this real briefly. When I say, can the passers handle the reps? I mean, are they still maintaining their technique, maintaining their focus? Are they able to do those things? If they're not, you might want to put in some spinners or something like that to make it a little bit more manageable. But if they're managing those, they're probably ready to be passing live serves. Now, you might need to bounce back and forth a little bit if they need some you know, discrete technique work. But um what I find is there's too many spinners being put into two players and the players get really, really good at passing spinners, even though we don't see very many spinners in, in competition. No spinners. Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm anti-spin. So no. yeah. Um, oh, this is one I got from my, uh, my event this week. I went to a teaching event. I'm a teacher and uh, spiraling. I love this. The idea of spiraling is when you address it, you address it multiple times, like you spiral, yep. but you go deeper and deeper every time. And I love this, right? And I just think that's a really good way to think about passing because passing is really rich, deep concept, right? It takes forever to get really, really good. Um, anyways, that's, a, that's one thought to share, um, spiraling. Look for 
this is what this is this look for uh, is an interesting one. So I'm in tryouts. I got 100 kids who can pass. We all go to who's got technique. To me, I, I doesn't mean that much. I'm glad that they have technique. It means they've they've spent some time in the gym. But can they actually get the ball on their sweet spot? So I like to look for a couple of things. Are they strong enough to hold themselves up? Meaning like physically, is their core strong? Are their legs strong? Do they have hand-eye? How can you tell if they hand have hand-eye? Well, they have an early beat on the ball, right? They're moving in the correct direction. They can notice those types of things. They can get the ball on their sweet spot really, relatively effortlessly. And then are they kinesthetically aware? And you can tell if they're kinesthetically aware by you say, hey, make the ball go to your right. You don't necessarily even give them technique. They just do it. So I, I think that's a, a couple things when I'm looking to discern passers, like who can actually pass. Technique is not the best indicator. Yep. We've had some kids who fooled me. Yeah, man. They fooled me. Because <laughs> they look really pretty. Exactly. Right? But they don't pass very well. Yep. And then finally, <laughs> I'm just going to uh, end with these last three ideas. More is not always better on passing. Better is better. And what's better? Uh, manageable, as close to realistic as possible. More actual serves in practice. Um, and then when one of the times, one of the reasons why coaches don't do more co uh, serve initiated stuff is it slows the game down. So if they miss their serve, can we have a coach back there that's going to put in a ball so we don't slow the game down? Let them be bad. Let your middles pass, right? I know everyone says we'll do it, and then it comes to the season, and they don't do it. And then reps in a row. This is just the number one thing, right? Just can you get multiple reps in a row? That's my passing 2.0. Hopefully there's something it. in there that there's people get something out of it. a bunch of nuggets in there. Yeah. I got a bunch of stuff. I love it. Right on. So what is the scenario? Well, we're going to go back to my little Houston adventure. And the scenario is I need to create a plan for a middle school summer clinic. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm just going to go through a little uh, a little plan that I had uh, for my daily middle school clinic plan. Okay, so we, we come in, of course, and uh, the first day all these kids come in and they sit down, wait for me to tell them what to do, of course. And uh, they learn real quick that, right. hey, there's a net there, there's a ball there. Uh, John Kessel has uh, influenced me that, hey, there's a net and a ball, use both. Go play. And yeah. so, uh, you know, we'll start with uh, some kind of over the net game. And we okay. usually just start with some one-on-one. -on -one. First two kids in there are playing one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, a little two contact over there, and then we expand it. We might have uh, another Kessel as player as net. Do you know that one? Oh, yeah. The we that one? That's cool. So yeah. You have, uh, so you, once you run out of space with one-on-one -on -one with the net, then you go, okay, well, we're going to play doubles. Two people are the net. And you have two people on each side. And when the ball, whoever loses becomes the net. And I they're like just that. playing little ball control, pass, set, roll shot, or two contact, pass, roll shot, or something like that. That's cool. Uh, and then I love two contact games, threes and fours. You can mm -hmm. just play a little, you know, king or queen of the court, threes, fours, two contact. Those are our Fun. little warm-up games. Okay. Uh, then we we usually meet, uh, talk a little bit about you know some values, uh, what we're looking at, and maybe mention that you know we were very impressed with you know the way that Sally approached the clinic yesterday and her effort level, or uh, you know hey we we watch kids that come in the gym and have this attitude or whatever we do we we point those things out early nice. uh and then we use the warm to teach some movements okay in the passing you talked about that step shuffle movement that's part of our warm-up that step shuffle oh, yeah. movement uh we also will do approaches in there 
We'll do some floor moves in there. So we teach all of those things in the warm up. Uh, from there, we usually get into some pairs work where we're doing all of our skill training, going through all of our keys for our skills. Okay. Uh, we'll vary that with shuttles, you know, okay. shuttles. I think so. So if let's say you have, so you have pairs, of course, you know, I'm in a pair with you, balls moving back and forth. Uh, but let's say we're in pairs now, but there's two people behind each line. So now we have oh, three okay. in each line. So you play the ball and then you go to the other line. So I like that's that. a shuttle. So there's a little more movement in there and you can. Uh, the little added benefit that I like about the shuttles is some peer pressure. Right. You People know? are watching yeah. you. Yep. Yep. There's no place to hide. Uh, then we get into uh, over the net stuff like a four corners to butterfly. And we usually warm up our arms and in that uh, sequence and we'll work on topspin arm swing. Okay. We'll work on floater serves. We'll work on movement and catching and serve receive. And then we'll dig to ourself uh, okay. in the, uh, uh, when we're attacking. Uh, number five is we usually have some kind of specific passing work we'll do. We have a number, we have a Stanford shuffle pass where kids have to, they have to move with their platform together. Okay. I think one of the skills that kids don't have is they move, they put their platform together and their feet stop. Yes. And so I want them to be comfortable moving with their platform out. So we do what we call a Stanford shuffle pass. Okay. We'll do some tilt and freeze uh, stuff we do. Uh, we'll put the target out there and have some challenge just for some routine ball control. Okay. See, hey, can you get the ball in your sweet spot and control it? Uh, we get into what we call Stevenson, which What's is that? just beach. Uh, it's just beach attacking. Okay. Um, when they so hit it back. So the uh, uh, everybody, you know, the attackers have a ball. And we'll run this in camps, like in three lines, like one on the left, one in the middle, one on the right. Everybody has a ball. You have three setters. And the person with the ball tosses it to the setter. The setter sets it back low to the passer. And then we pass, set, hit. I like that. Uh, so we just call that Stevenson, like old that, John yeah. Stevenson. I like that. Uh, you know, beach John. training. Uh, we have hitters versus diggers, okay. uh, which is a... Uh, you know, uh, attackers have to hit the ball. So again, a beginning drill, uh, diggers will put two on the side and they have to dig the ball and the partner has to catch it. Oh, nice. And they get a I point like for one. that and you yes. get to 15 and then you switch groups. That's a fun uh, game. They like and that. then you yeah. say, Hey, if you hit it in the net, it's, uh, it's, you add two to the other team. Oh, okay. Uh, if you hit nice. it out. It's one. So you say you start them right there with, Hey, don't make errors in the net. I've never done that. Uh, I like that. Okay. And then after that, we'll try to do the rest of the stuff over the net stuff. So we have nice. two versus two long court, uh, all different kinds of variations there. Uh, three versus three, four versus four. We, uh, we enter with what we call double shuffle. What's that? You know that one? No. Ah, you'll like this one. This is the okay. reading one. Okay. So we'll start with, let's say we're going three on three. Okay. And we'll start with the balls in middle back. Let's say we're playing queen of the court, double shuffle three on three. Uh, and maybe we'll have coaches setting on this. Okay. And so the coach will be at the net as the setter watching the players. Okay. The initiator on the initiating side will start in the middle of the court. He or she will step and will start with a throw, not even a hit. So they'll point their toe at one sideline or the other and throw the ball to that uh, sideline. The three players have to step and shuffle that direction, and they all have to move. If they don't move for that first ball together, uh, then like they're kicked out. Oh, that's a good one. So we, uh, we start... 
some of that defensive flow, what we call double shuffle. That's great. I like that. And one. then after that, we uh, we get into five and five and six on six, and we use coaches to enhance play. My favorite one is you put a coach in middle back, you put a coach setting, you let the other four players kind of rotate through, and you play all kinds of games with groups of four kids coming in. That's great. And then the rallies last long, and the kids do all the hitting. Uh, is learn how to defend, and then as the as you get setters who can uh, keep the ball in play, you start putting setters in for those coaches. You put your best defenders in for the coaches toward the end of the week, and then those kids get uh, you know get enriched and uh, enhanced experience. Wow, that's cool. That sounds like a fun clinic. That was it. That's I it. would love that's to play in that clinic. All if, right. If, I ever, if you ever have room in any of your future clinics, all right, you, you're, in. you're in. I need to rebuild my skills after the after the achilles injury all but, right you yes. have uh, videos yes i sure do we got three videos one is todd's emergency moves the second is jim stone just teaching about how to practice your angles and the third is an awesome video from youtube uh, uh, by john spiral just talking about the fundamentals of passing you sent me that one i gotta yeah, check it's, that one out. it's worth it it's, his, it. it's pretty much a good summary of uh, his main cues so you're on the resource the resource is a guy named paul Asianti, the winningest coach in college history whoa won 252 matches in a row Holy as a coach 13 straight national championships wow uh, he Holy is a necklace. squash coach squash okay. and he has a book called run to the roar coaching to overcome fear nice. and uh he says this is not a book about squash it is a, about leadership it is about pride about instinct control about anger management about talent about mentoring Mm, that and sounds I'll great. I'll leave you with that. This guy, I heard him on a pod and I had to go buy his book. Uh, the book is cool. He has nine chapters. Each is uh, uh, named after a value and one of his players' names. And he tells the story of that oh. player in the national championship. Oh, that's great. What a cool idea. What a fun pod. Once again, great to see you, Todd. Thanks a lot for having me back on. And uh, thanks a lot. See you next time. Good stuff, Davis. Good to see you. Take care. Bye.